Welcome to the Sales Prospectors Show, supported by Lease A Sales Rep, an Inc. 5000 company, helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can also find us at leaseasalesrep.com, and we are on all the major social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I have the pleasure of interviewing a an old friend um, who's now running a company called Exec Vision. Uh, the website is execvision.io, and he is the founder, co-founder of this business. His name is Steve Richard. Uh, real deep experience in sales and technology, all around great guy. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gil. And I'll give you a funny story just right off the bat about execvision.io. Uh, it's India Ocean. And, and part of the reason that people are doing this is because the domain brokers buy up the dot-coms and then they won't sell them to you. So originally they wanted 7000 Now they want 70000 Wow. Well, after they realized you got funded, right? So, you know, you got, you got some scuttle. Uh, you, got <laughs> you said, yeah, I'll pay seventy grand for the domain name. Uh, congratulations on getting that that funding. Um, I, I we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, that is going to help you scale and whatever that that money is going to be used for. Congratulations on doing that. There's a lot of money in the market, uh, which is great. I'm glad you guys uh, got some of that. So um, Steve and I uh, met at uh, Inc. Five Thousand uh, in 2013. We're going back, right? What uh, six years now? Um, we're in D.C., right, uh, at the Gaylord Convention Center? Is that what it's called? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, you, at that time, were uh, heading a, a business that still exists today called Voresight, right? And that's uh, V-O-R-S-I-G-H-T in Voresight um, would be considered a friendly competitor uh, to at least sales rep, right? Uh, an appointment setting uh, business that still exists and our company for all these you listening uh, does appointment setting but we're an end-to-end -end solution right generate the lead get the appointment close the sale face-to-face uh, -face in multiple markets across the US so Voresight uh, is where I guess where this business came from so help us to understand uh, about exec vision and how it came out from Voresight and your background and you know, and I'll interject here and we'll have a, a lively discussion. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Seeing as we both come from the outsourced sales background, um, I'm going to go about this story differently than I normally tell it because I think you'll like it, Gil. Um, so, you know, as opposed to Lisa Sales Rep, even from the very first call, conversation that we had, we, we've always been a boutique outsourced appointment setting firm that only does the appointment, not the full sales cycle, um, with about 20 reps on the phone in Arlington, Virginia. Been that way for many years. At one point, we had scaled it up to about 40. Um, and, and right around that time is when we got approached by a vendor. Actually, it was a cold call. And it was a cold call that was initiated. Yeah, there you go. Oh, it was wow. initiated by, by way of, that's, I mean, frankly, that's why ExecVision exists in the cold call. It was initiated by way of, we had an article written about us in the Washington Post. So we just got in the Washington Post, and, and anytime you get some kind of a, you know, it doesn't happen very many times in a person's life when you get big media coverage. And when you do, it, the funny thing that happens is all these people come out of the woodwork. So, uh, you know, we got, we, we got a ton of 
clients out of that, which is what you're going for. But we also got, we, we were able to be a lot of crazies and you're going to get some of that too. But then we had some interesting relationships form with vendors and partners like at the time it was called team visibility. So originally what the way it worked is um, they, they cold called me. They said, what if you had what game tape for your sales team? Just like a sports coach uses game tape and an athlete uses game tape. And I said, well, you know, we have recordings. I'm like, yeah, but you have this big pile of call recordings. What do you ever do with it? And they said, you're right. Like, it's impossible to even find a recording. And then if I find it, what am I going to do to use it to get the rep better? It's very difficult. And you do it one off, but it's haphazard. So anyway, when, they first, <laughs> when we first said yes to this, they, um, they put cameras on the top of everyone's computer. That did not work at all. Uh, everyone rejected it for being big brother. They actually took the cameras and they flipped them up it's funny because on, on this computer the camera's in the crease these new computers i hate it i wish it was up where it used to be that's why you're like looking up at me it's odd right right but um the cameras were up here and they flipped them and they flipped them up so it was like the ceiling so you saw the ceiling tiles so we went back to watch the footage and we're watching the ceiling tiles and it was like an ekg and you'd have to try to figure out when does the call start when does it end it was like uh it didn't really solve the problem they were trying to solve for mm. but it was a first step and, and, and I wrote a cool article about this called Is Call Recording Big Brother? And what we learned from that experience is, number one, you got to make it so the reps opt in to the experience of being coached and getting better and improving. Because if the rep doesn't want to get better or they don't want to be recorded or they don't want to be part of the program, they're not going to change. You know what I mean? It's like trying to force someone to change, to make them exercise. If they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. And then, and then the second big insight that we got from that is you have to integrate with the underlying phone systems and dialing technologies and screen share tools like Zoom or the dialing technologies like the dial sources and the five nines, the talk test things like sales.com and sales loss and the outreach and go. There's so many of them mm -hmm. and ingenious and all that stuff. Because we have to be able to know when the call starts and ends and we have to be able to have some information about the call, like the disposition and all that stuff. So anyway, we, we were telling them this at Team Visibility, and they weren't really listening. And then finally at the end, they said, well, if you punks are so smart, why don't you just buy the company? So that was actually the origin of all this. Is It was just a couple. Hello? Years to the day for our Voresight business. And we said, you know what? We've had decent success in this. It's a good business. We built more or less a lifestyle business with Voresight and growing. Uh, but with technology and to see if we can really expand what we what we've learned to a lot of companies, and now we have over 100 customers and and and, and the rest is history. So there you go. There's the story. Wow, wow, that that that's great. And I think you you had yeah, and you had incubated it um, out of Boresight, right? And and started it there, and um uh, and then built this other company, which is being built now, ExecVision. And you recently got uh, funded. Right for uh, and so uh, there was seed round. I don't remember the actual language. Tell us about the seed. Funding. Yeah, what, yeah, the yeah, one. yeah. Five, five and a half million, five and a half million in seed financing. It's a crazy day in technology now, where five and a half million is considered a seed round of financing from Edison in New Jersey. And um, um, as part of that, we'll be looking at a Series A afterwards that's already committed um, from them. So. And the purpose, I guess, of the financing, typically there's some language around that. It's either for sales and marketing. Is it for acquisition? What, what is it for? Um, and product development. I'm sorry, say that again. Oh, sorry about that. Something kind of glitched out there. Sales and marketing and product development. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. Which it means to grow, grow customer acquisition and, and uh, grow the platform and, and, uh, and the like. 
Um, no, that, that's, that's fantastic. So I guess the, the, the platform itself um, clearly is, I would think, focused on companies that are doing sales, right? So, and using the phone, right, as a, as a tool, I suppose. Is that correct? It, it, it is. I'm going to do, I'm going to yes and you. I'm sure you know yes and. I'm going to yes and you. So yes, you're right. And um, what's happening is we're seeing a lot of support organizations and service organizations um, that create customer experience and are measured on things like customer satisfaction, um, uh, NPS, net promoter score, that kind of stuff, in addition to anyone who has a revenue component or they sell something, they offer a product. But it's funny because a lot of these call centers, they don't think of themselves as sales. Um, but in reality, they really are selling, and, and many of them are actually not paid or compensated for a sale. So it's not the way that you and I are sales guys, right? Like we think like the same way. They don't. They literally don't think that way. They say, "No, I'm a consultant. I'm an advisor. I'm a." Um, you, you, you get where I'm going with that. So right. That's the other first interesting thing. And then the the the, the other place. Where I was going to guess Anya on something else, and I forgot. So it's the it's the, the sorts of people that are living and dying by the phone mm. is part of it and the sorts of, of functional roles that they're doing along the way. Um, and what we find is there's this big gap between um, organizations that were, they, have, they record, but then how do you actually use the recording to change behavior? So uh -huh. people have been doing compliance for a long time where they use recordings to give you infractions, like, hey, you didn't say this the right way, so we're going to not pay you out on that deal or those kinds of things. But there are not a lot of companies that are really doing a good job of using their recordings to actually get their reps better, like short onboarding times, increased conversion rates, uh, track whether or not the managers are coaching effectively and monitor what's going on there and create accountability around recording. And you're using it for inbound and outbound. Obviously, the inbound call center is that customer service experience and the outbound, let's say, is prospecting and sales. So just, just a little bit of the nuts and bolts on the technology itself. So when, uh, when it when it's integrated into, let's say, a, a dialer and a VoIP system, let's say a 5.9, and the, the software is kind of plugged in, I'm assuming, through a, some kind of API, I guess, or automatically, I'm assuming, flips on by itself without uh, uh, click, without the rep knowing or he's just, he's just part of the process, is that correct? That's correct. So what we're doing is we're not even doing the recording. We're, we're, we're using the recordings and ingesting and pulling in the recordings from the five nines mm -hmm. of the world and the dial sources and talk best and all those people. Um, and then we're combining those recordings and marrying them with the data from their CRM or system record. So the idea is you got a rep or an agent that they don't, they don't, the last thing you want to do if you're in a sales call or a support call is have to think about what you're doing and what's going on. Script prompters for that reason are very difficult for them. Where we find the real learning happens and where refs can actually master something is afterwards. Just again, Jake, use the same parallel as I'm actually sitting here in Baltimore, pretty close to Orioles Park and, and M&T Stadium where the Ravens play. I just happen to be here today. Um, you know, if you think about what they're doing with the Ravens and with the Orioles, they don't, it's, it, you can use game tape a little bit in the moment. It's very difficult though, but really going to use a lot after the fact so that you're prepared. So it's all about creating muscle memory and actually rewiring the brains of the reps. And there's this awesome video of Ed Reed um, talking about how he watched game tape with Ray Lewis. And I don't care what you think of those guys as football players. They're both Hall of Famers. But they, were, they have a, a real method to studying tape that oh. allowed them to, frankly, beat the Patriots when nobody else could. I mean, they were the only team that could fairly consistently beat the Patriots along that way. And why? Because they saw it on film, and you don't have any time in the moment you can you just have to react. 
So, so in terms of the nuts and bolts, you, you pull in those recordings and you combine it with the CRM data, and now it becomes this indexed, searchable system that also proactively tells you what's going on. All the calls are transcribed, so we know what's, what words are being said or not. So, for example, you can create a trigger that says, if I got a salesperson that we know is supposed to be saying a certain thing or closing a certain way, and if they're not doing that in their calls, in more than 30% of their calls, you'll get an email notification that says, you know, Billy is not closing the right way. Mm -hmm. and, and this is an opportunity to intervene with Billy and find out what's going on. Hey, look, your numbers are down. You're not closing the way everybody else is. Do you want to change? you want to get better? And if yes, let's create a plan. Let's create a coaching plan where you're going to listen to two of your own calls per week. We create self-awareness in the rep. You listen to two of your own calls. You comment on it. You score it. You're consciously aware of why you need to change and what you're doing. And then, then the rep will make the change in the next call, the next call, and the next call. So it's not intervening in the call as it's happening. It's very tough if someone's tapping on the shoulder. Right now, if someone's tapping on the shoulder, Steve, say this. Steve, I'm like, huh? You know, right. how am I going to incorporate into what I'm doing versus if I go back and watch this later, I go, oh, geez, that was really bad. I talk way too much. I'll change. So the goal here would be, I guess, from a sales organization, inbound or outbound, uh, look, just using that term sales organization versus customer services, yeah. look at your top performers uh, and say the ones who are closing, the ones who are upselling, kind of uh, track their conversation points and, and keywords and the like, and then compare that to the ones who are not closing as much and, and, and figure out what the challenges are and then provide coaching to them. Uh, and then keep on recording the calls, right, to see if their percentages start going up, right? So obviously, if the percentages are going up for closing, then it's working. If it's not, then obviously they have not implemented it, or uh, something's going wrong here. Uh, so that that is that kind of like it in a nutshell. You 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 nailed it. You absolutely 100% nailed it. And I'm going to give you a a really cool kind of build on what you just said that I think you'll find fun. We recently did an analysis of all of our customers' data that's anonymized, meaning we don't know which customer it is, we don't know which salesperson it is, or which manager, all that stuff, but it's anonymized. And we did an analysis of how, how do the, the, what's the relationship between call activity levels, so the activity levels of that salesperson, and the um, call scores when they have a coaching program in place. Okay, so we looked at that, and what we found, and this is fascinating, is, is average performing salespeople and top performing salespeople in terms of activity, this is not quote attainment, but activity, so high activity, medium activity people, those, those reps, when you coach them, they get a lot better. They get better by 20, 30, 40%, significantly better. However, this is where it got weird. Any reps that have low activity, they actually got worse. They only got worse by 1% or 2% but they still got worse. So the insight here and the aha here is like a lot of managers don't know how to coach and who to coach and where to coach and when to coach um, because they were never taught and we've never had this data before. And what the data is basically telling us is if you've got that low activity rep and you're trying to do call coaching with them, it's the wrong thing to do. It's a waste of your time. You're burning your calories and just flushing them down the toilet versus where you should be spending your time on your average activity reps or your higher activity reps because their call scores get way, way better over time. Instead, you should be coaching your low activity reps on doing more activity. And this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of insight we can, we can have now and that shape how managers and supervisors and whatnot think about their time right. and how the VPs think about organizing the department. 
so that we can actually, you know, the idea, Gil, is no one gets a trophy for coaching the most. Right. Everyone gets a trophy for creating the most business impact. So we're trying to create business results here, not just coach for, for the sake of coach. Right. So, so the, a, you know, the old school uh, way is that your A and B players are getting better. Your C players are not, you know, are not getting better. You need to have them do more activity. Focus on the tools you provide, meaning exec vision, uh, on the A and B players um, to, to help them, I guess, up their game. Make sure I kind of understood that. You, or do you still right, right. When they, when they have enough activity. That's right. Because if someone doesn't have an activity, enough activity, you don't have nothing to coach. Right, right, right. There's nothing in the, in the data. There's no, the, no, there's no data in the system to analyze and to look at. Um, and that's another issue about productivity, which is another conversation not associated with, you know, they're not making enough calls, all right? So uh, that, that's interesting. Um, where, where do you, uh, and just kind of sidebarring this as far as calling is concerned, I mean, uh, you've been in the industry for a while, you know, in, in the outsourced sales, marketing kind of environment, appointment setting. Uh, what are your thoughts right now on, on the, I guess the, the uh, where the industry is when it comes to calling, outbound calling and the like, and the approach to qualification of prospects and things like that. I have a very strong view on that issue. Um, and, uh, I'd like to hear your view um, on, on where, where you see the industry calling and, and qualification and all that. What, do, what are your thoughts straight from the heart? It's okay. This is really funny. I'm going to give you straight from heart and then I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you data. Um, and I think we, I, I, I'm reading your brain on this one, Gil. Um, I don't the, the notion of the, the call, <laughs> the notion of the call, the call being dead is bogus. It's uh, the call. The call is very much alive and well. However, it depends on what you sell and who you sell to. And, and this is something that most people don't take into consideration. And oh, by the way, is email important as a channel? Absolutely. Is SMS becoming more important as a channel? Absolutely. Is social becoming more important as a channel? Absolutely. It's actually part of what ExecVision does. We can ingest those, the, the, the text from those sources so you can coach those communication methods too. Um, but, but going back to the whole, the whole calling thing is there is, um, my quote my friend Art Sobchak, who wrote the book Smart Calling, there um, there is no way to convey emotion and inflection is lost and um, the ability to clarify is lost when we communicate via those other methods before and not via the phone or like this one via Zoom. And we are the nonverbal communication. We, we, we don't get that on the phone. Mm -hmm. No, uh, you know, we get it here. Um, so there's, I think of it as being sort of a communications ladder. We're at the lowest rung of the ladder is like a, a quick text or a quick slack where I see people get, you know, meanings confused all the time and they get angry at each other and frustrated. And then it kind of walks up the ladder to an email and then it walks up to a phone call and it walks up to a zoom and then it walks up to you and me being in the same room. So, um, what I think, I think we have to think differently about that problem rather than thinking about this whole thing about, you know, is a call round live dead or whatever. We got to find ways to constantly take whatever communication method we're using to engage our prospects. Mm -hmm. and then get them to the next one, to the next one. So if right now we have a tweet relationship with someone, let's try to move that to Slack. Let's try to move that to the phone. Let's mm -hmm. try to move that to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that is where the qualification to the second part of your question can happen because you can't qualify someone over email. It can, it's very difficult, you know, it's very difficult. And, and, and it actually speaks to, you know, what most business 
businesses struggle with, their biggest challenge is they sell to the wrong people. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big lesson I've learned with exec vision. Cause when we first started our business, our ideal customer profile was, you know, CEOs. We wanted to go CEO only at first of companies with a hundred or fewer employees. And we sold a few deals that way, but, but our hypothesis around the use case for the product ended up being completely different. Now we're selling to, you know, big brand name companies like CenturyLink and Intuit and TransUnion, like, you know, the names of companies that you know that have tons and tons of people that live and die by the phone. Why? Because those are the ones that value coaching. Those are the ones where if you coach and get reps better, it makes a meaningful impact to the bottom line. So our ideal customer profile mm -hmm. dr dramatically evolved. Um, a a another example of that is, you know, like you opened up saying, hey, is it sales? It's mostly sales, but a lot of our customers now are like sales call centers, I'm going to call them. Sales contact centers or call centers. A lot of them call call themselves call contact centers now, but they're the sort of. Well, that that that's interesting. A lot of them are inbound. So, I'll give you a real example of one. One of our customers does consumer debt refinancing. So, if if a consumer has gotten themselves into so much debt, then mm -hmm. and, and it's sad because there's there's literally millions of people in this country that have this so much debt they can't even make the payment. Gil, they. And they, they can't make the interest payment. They can't pay the interest every month, let alone the principal. And their credit score is going down, down, down. And they're really hopeless. And then they respond to, they see an advertisement on, on the internet, a banner ad about getting a loan and getting out of debt. So they click on that. And then they, it's prompted to call an 800 number or they fill out a form either way. So those are mostly inbound calls mm -hmm. that go into this particular group. And these, this, this company's got 150 people on the phone. And all they do all day long is talk to these consumers as they get these inbound calls and they sell a, a really unique product that allows them to repair their credit while at the same time giving them a loan and giving them a, a way to actually make their payments and a way out, if you will. So it's a fascinating, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of inbound call centers, if you will, or contact centers, but they are revenue generating and they operate like, like outbound sales in many ways. So yeah, there's a inbound lead gen, inbound lead gen and uh, it's kind of like an inbound lead for us or for you, let's say, they fill out a form, call comes in, or the, the salesperson calls out, and they have a conversation uh, with, with that person, and then they try to close them, um, kind of is, is versus a cold outbound call prospecting to a um, enterprise-level client, um, which is different. That's it. Yeah, this person calling in is clearly uh, interested because they have some pain point, and now they're warmer, right? Um, so you're trying to close them. Are these these people that you're working with, I say the hundred, right? I'm sure it's a combination of mixed bag because you were doing smaller guys, larger guys. Are the ones that are doing the inbound stuff, are they mostly U.S. based? Or are these guys in yes. India and other places? No. Okay. No, this is the thing that will, this is the thing That's that blows great. your mind. And I'd say, I'd say at this point, it's 30 to 40% of our customers fit this profile of inbound call center, contact center, U.S. based, and don't snooze on these people. So, like, let, let me give you an example. You might, when I first walked into one of these operations, I was kind of expecting kind of a call center type of a person, you know, maybe a $12 an hour or $15 an hour kind of person. Mm -hmm. I looked in the parking lot. It was filled with BMWs and Mercedes. These people are doing very well. Thank you. Yeah. Very, thank you very much. They're doing just fine for themselves. <laughs> and, um, and they, and, and Gil, if you listen to their call, they are, phenomenal salespeople, even though people are calling them, they're not calling out. 
They are highly empathetic, highly engaging. They ask incredible questions. Wow. They describe things in very clear ways. I mean, very, very, very sharp people. And they're not even on LinkedIn. None of these people even have LinkedIn profiles. It's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, that's a whole other conversation. Everybody's not on LinkedIn, uh, ironically enough. And even large enterprise CEOs and stuff like that, if they're on there, they're not even active. So um, just their name and title and a whole bunch of connections, they're not doing anything on it. <laughs> so that's uh, that's interesting. So uh, the, the I guess the users for the software, ExecVision software, are people who live and die by the phone. And um, uh, inbound, outbound, uh, and um, recording, taking that data from the recordings that the company does through their software, not your software, but the, the business, uh, and then running that through this kind of cleaning process to identify the, the strengths and weaknesses of the sale and the conversation points. Closing, who's closing, who's not, uh, hopefully that increases the close ratio uh, for the business, if you will. Um, as far and you kind of touched on it a little bit, and that, I think we kind of got a little bit distracted, but the sidebar, uh, the where we are with the um, inbound and outbound and qualification of people. So, for example, um, if you have an inbound lead, let's say you know like somebody filled out a form to any business um, and to B two B sale or B two C sale, um, what is your thought process on where we are in the industry with qualifying these people? And how quick versus, uh, you know, um, doing more of a warm and fuzzy kind of conversation point, get to know them, move them along, three, four, or five calls. And, you know, uh, again, I'm going to hear your opinion of where the market is with that kind of stuff. And even with outbound prospecting to companies that meet a profile and you get the right person on the phone, um, you know, and are we trying to uh, uh, drag them along? for a yep. qualification. Yeah. So I'm asking yeah, you. And this is, yeah, this is, this is a big one that as an industry, we're really bad at this mm -hmm. and our software is showing it. And, and what I mean by that is um, we need to walk away faster. We don't disqualify quickly enough. Mm -hmm. We need to have more, more ruthless qualification. And you can do that in a way that's also customer friendly and customer focused. It's not all about asking a bunch of questions for your agenda and then walking away because you're empowered. It's also about helping them realize it's not a good fit and here's why. Um, but to your, to your point, we do not do a very good job. Uh, salespeople in general do not ne do nearly as good of a job of disqualifying quickly as they need to. And as a result, you see a lot of these, if it's a multiple uh, call close, if we're dealing with, you know, like a three, four, five or more call close, you can have calls that go further down. And it's one of our con uh, consistent customer complaints. A lot of our customers will say, hey, look, one of our issues is our salespeople do two calls where they're supposed to be qualifying. And then after that, they're going to get a solutions engineer involved or a, uh, you know, a, a solutions consultant or sales engineer or one of those types of folks. And, and then when that person gets involved, their time is very valuable. And, and they're going to want to only use it on the right types of prospects. Mm. You know, the subject matter expert. You don't, you don't want to wheel out the subject matter expert to talk to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. You want to wheel them out to talk to the people who can actually buy something that can really solve a problem. I mean, let's keep what's in, in mind. The purpose for all of sales is to solve the customer's problems mm -hmm. and to help the customers accomplish goals. So if, if the salesperson should have been able to determine through a few simple questions um, that, they, that they forgot in many cases to ask. Usually, no, they should ask, Gil, 
but they usually forget because of something called the forgetting curve. We, our brains are wired to purge information guilt. So the whole idea behind that is if we can get the salespeople to remember and consistently, that's the word, consistently ask those qualification questions, it makes a better use of the sales engineer's time, it makes a better use of the prospect's time, it makes a better use of the salesperson's time, and let's face it, the only real commodity any of us guys have, any of us people on, walking on the planet have, is time. That's it. I agree, I agree, and I guess uh, the, uh, we, we do deal with this in our organization, and I, I personally am brutal about this, and, um, and sometimes it doesn't come out as refined. <laughs> and I apologize for that, uh, to my team as well, and sometimes you know, I turn the screws on them, and to uh, cut the conversation, um, you know, end the call after two calls or what have you, and, uh, or disqualify the prospect after they, uh, we've agreed to, they've agreed to certain next steps, and then you move to that step, and then they want to change the game plan later on, and then they want to, the person, the decision maker was not was going to be on the call for the second call, but the decision maker is not because they want more information, which means that, in my, in my opinion, they're stringing it out, and um, we, uh, I told people to be brutal and say this is the next call is going to be with the decision maker. This is what we agreed to. Um, these are the next steps for the call. Here's the pricing. Here's the timeline. And and we're okay with shutting down the conversation if you don't want to follow that plan. And that is brutal. I mean, we we so I I I don't. Can I, actually, can I give Can I give a tip on that? Let me give you one one tip to the to the listener on that. Um, I learned this from a guy named Tom Snyder, a mentor of mine. It's an awesome, awesome tip. He calls it an invitation question. Okay. So, so what, you, what you do, here's what you do. It's simple. You just say, Gil, just so I can make a really good use of your time, do you mind if I ask you like, four or five real quick questions? These are short answer, one or two word answer kinds of things. And if you, if you do it that way, if you ask the person in that way, you're showing being, you, you, you care about them. You're, you're being empathetic and, and you're demonstrating to them that you're being, you're, you're, you're going to make a good use of their time and focus on what matters to them. And then based, and if they answer the questions a certain way and you go, well, you know, Gil, based on the answer to your question, I don't think it makes much sense for us to talk and here's why blank, blank, and blank. And oh, by the way, maybe you should be talking to someone else. There's a great book called Go Giver that I love, which is all about give to get. And I, what I found in my career is if you keep on giving, Give, 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 give to other people. Help people get jobs. You know what I mean? Do what you're doing for me. You're giving to me today by having me on this. Then you're going to, you get back tenfold in return. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and the qualification questions on the front end, initially in the, the initial discussion, will tell you a lot if they are really a good prospect for you, but also whether you can help them or not. And uh, sometimes, I guess, where I was going with this, I, I agree with everything you said. What, what is that when the game gets changed down the road, then you have to make a decision if, you know, something, and it happens, you know, prospects will do this. Uh, they will, they will flip the script on you because they realize that, Oh, maybe the investment was too much. <laughs> they weren't uh, uh, comfortable enough, confident enough to say, you know what, this is out of my budget. I don't want to do this. Boom. Close it. Move on. A lot of them will string you along for a little bit. So um, I, I guess that's where, I don't see a lot of that on LinkedIn. I see this warm and fuzzy kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, relational and, and try to, you know, meet their need and then, uh, you know, have multiple conversations. And I'm like, and I'm over here when I respond to stuff on LinkedIn, I'm an outlier. 
I said, close them down. If you see that they have moved off the, the path, because I, it, it's, it's just my, uh, it works for us um, because the time for the sales rep is so important. Uh, and, uh, and again, uh, qualifying everything on the front end, moving to the next step, and then they go off into like Puerto Rico somewhere. Um, so it's, hey, well, and, well, hang on, Gil. And Gil, there's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give people another book rec on that one. Um, yeah. Jim Camp. Start with no. Did you ever read that one, Jim Camp? Start with no. No. You're no. you're doing it. You know you're doing it. You're and you're also. I I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're classically trained Sandler, right? Uh, no, nah, Miller Hyman. Miller Hyman. Okay. okay. Sandler. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know it's, it's it's a principle. It's a principle of green sheets too, right? It's the whole. It's yeah. It's it's the whole like you know Sandler calls it strip lining. Um, uh, Miller Hyman, it's, it's, I can't remember the term that they use for it specifically, but it's, ba it's basically like it, it, Jim Camp would start with notes, describes it this way. He, well, it's, the funny part is everyone's heard the book, uh, getting to yes with the Harvard professors. It's a negotiation right. book. Jim Camp kind of pokes at it the whole time. Um, he's now the late Jim Camp. He passed away, but he, he was a, he was a great character. Um, he, he talks about how you always want to make people feel okay to say no. And I've, that stuck with me in my career. It's exactly what you're saying, Gil, because you do it in your kind of, you know, New York, New Jersey sort of way, and it's endearing. And even though I know you're being ruthless, I know you're being ruthless about it, but because you're giving that, that prospect and be out along the way, because of that, you end up closing more deals. And, and when it's time for them to say no, you're empowered because you gave them that opportunity and you know you can go to other prospects. Uh, absolutely. And uh, no, I appreciate your... Your, your insight there and those two books. The, the other one, Go-Giver, is Bob Berg, by the way. Um, or Bob Berg is Go-Giver, and then Jim Camp, wasn't the title of that one? Uh, that one is called Start With No by Jim Camp, yep. But uh, both of those are well worth checking out. I, before the four kids, Gil, I was, a, I was a voracious reader. I'm a little bit less voracious now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you're running around the block more. Um, so <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. I got you. No, I'll, I'll, I'll put those, uh, those books in the show notes, um, uh, so that people can uh, find them and, and, uh, read up on them. And as far as the, uh, the, the service, you know, the, the software solution you offer, uh, share a little bit about, um, your, I guess your, your entry level points for your customers. So is it like five licenses, minimum X, you, you can go into pricing if you like, it's up to you. <laughs> of the listeners, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, for sure. So it's, um, it's on a per user per month basis. I'll just throw it out there. It typically is, it starts around the $100 per user per month basis, but obviously comes down with volume. Um, it's not on the website, but that's kind of what almost every staff tool like this is. Okay. And it really, it, it, it depends on the problems that people are trying to solve. If you find you have inconsistencies in your sales team or your support team or customer service team, and you have people who are living, dying on the phone, online screen share to, uh, meetings, those kinds of things. It's usually organizations that have 20 or more people that mm -hmm. are living and dying on the phone. However, if you're out there and listening and you got five people using Zoom, you can absolutely use ExecVision with five people on Zoom. Because we integrate with underlying technologies, it just depends on if that organization uses the underlying technology. So, for example, like the, there's some phone systems that are like literally antiques that we can integrate with, but it's really hard. Um, you're probably not going to want to do that unless you have like a hundred people on the phone versus if you're using one of the, like the modern tools, like the five nines or a Salesforce or zoom 
or you know all those ones I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You can flip a switch and turn on the integration and get going. Ring Central is a popular phone system. Vonage, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuse. Okay. Then, then, then even if you had like ten people, mm-hmm. it, it would make a whole lot of sense. But really, what you got to you got to always start with the end in mind. What's the business challenge that you're trying to address with the technology? And then based on the business challenge you're trying to address, like, I need to reduce onboarding ramp times. You know, I, I bring on new people. It's really hard for me to get them up to speed. Or when I move people around, like in a business like yours, from one place to a next, another, it's really hard for them to get up to speed on the new client. If you got an, uh, an issue like that, you're trying to address. And then the other thing that's kind of cool about the software is we can do things like um, not just transcribe the calls, but also understand the keywords by topic. Silence, if there's silence in the call, detect that so you don't have to listen to it. Um, our software learns your voice, mm. the voice of the salesperson. So we can measure things like talk versus listen, monologue versus dialogue, um, really fascinating things. But you don't have to listen to like the IVRs or hold music and all that. So it, it takes what was historically, you know, we might find one of our customers, let's pretend, had 100 hours of talk time. They, they measure talk time as a metric, which is a lot of, a lot of people do. You know, but when we actually subtract all that stuff like phone ringing and hold music and silence, we find out that 100 hours of talk time is actually only 70 hours of talk time. Mm-hmm. So we're able to do a, really, a much cooler level of analysis because of the artificial intelligence and the machine learning and the yada, yada, yada that can then ultimately get us down to like, here are the moments that matter. Here are the coachable moments in the call. Nobody wants to sit around listening to hours and hours and hours of calls. You know, you're not a QA team. Um, you want to be able to get to get me the coachable time right now and then let's coach it and let's get better. Let's get you better. Are the, uh, no, that's great. That's great. Are, are the clients that you're serving with this platform, like you said, a lot of inbound, are they in a particular industry? Are they, I know you said like, so like for example, like uh, the t- cable and, you know, are they B2C mostly? Are they in the tech space, cable space? Like where, where are they just generally speaking? Boy, you know, this is a funny thing. So it's probably about, now it's about probably 70% outbound, 30% inbound, or 60% outbound, 40% inbound. So it's a pretty healthy inbound and outbound. It still tends to be mostly sales. I'd say 80 to 90% of the users on the system are people who are trying to sell something. They have a sales KPI, even if it's a customer support, like meaning you call Intuit QuickBooks for a support issue and they resolve it, and then they're supposed to offer you a product. It's, it's that kind of thing, but they're measured on the fact that they do that. That would be a good example of one. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of like that. What was the other part of it? Uh, questions yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Was it, uh, the industry verticals, I guess, like what space oh. are they in generally? Yeah. 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 You know what? Now this is the one that's been the bear for us. This is the Dickens because our ideal customer profile is a company that's got a lot of people living and dying on the phone. One of our customers is on deck capital. Mm-hmm. They, they're in New York. They sell business loans. We got another one of our customers in Green Bay, Wisconsin called Imperial Supplies. They sell imply supplies like stuff to people with a fleet, a fleet of vehicles. I mean, how different are those two things? Wow. You already heard about the consumer debt refinancing, um, you know, home services businesses. Oh. Um, and then like, then like B2B software companies, you're going to find those logos all over our website, outsourcers by appointment only, or, or like a market source. So this, it's just, it's crazy because there's so many different types of businesses in this country and overseas 
that have a lot of people living and dying on the phone mostly with some, of course, email and chat and everything, but they're in a variety of different industries, Gil. So that's the, that's the tricky thing. Like we find other companies in the same industries, like let's say business lending, that they don't lend anything. They go through brokers. Mm-hmm. So even though they're the same sizes on debt capital, all their business happens through brokers. So they've got nobody living and dying by the phone. So that's the, that's our biggest challenge as a business is just finding them. Once we find them and they actually understand what we can do to help them and they talk to some of our customers and we come on site, they buy. I mean, how could you not? It's very, very easy to create a business case. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. So yeah, you seem to have a mixed, uh, mixed bag. Again, as you're rolling this out and as you scale, um, I'm sure that it'll become probably somewhat, we'll say narrower, but you'll identify more industries, you know, like, we, for example, are in a couple of industries, uh, technology and software, healthcare, um, you know, and we're in like those spaces and the tech software space takes us into a lot of different spaces just because of that, that title. It could be advertising, marketing, it could be a CRM. It could take us into a lot of different areas. Uh, so over time, right, you know this, uh, from even when you were doing a, a war site, um, uh, that you'll end up realizing you're in like you know, <laughs> areas just because that's just where the need is and where people have closed because they have a need. Um, that's just over time, I suppose. Um, kind of switching gears here, uh, when you look at the marketplace, and uh, I'm sure you read a lot of stuff, and you know, we, we get a lot of feeds here uh, across our, our, our desk um, and uh, about different industries. Uh, is there any industry that uh, you're excited about that you see things happening in that industry, maybe people are not aware of, or they don't see as much excitement around it. Um, it may not have to do with your business. It could be totally different out of, out of the industry you know, that you're in. Like, well, what do you see is going on in the marketplace that, that you're excited about? Boy, it's like, it, it, this is where it's cool. I get the benefit of being able to see across over 100 different customers. So I see across all these different industries. And the reality is there's really cool innovation and change happening in all of them. I'll give you one that you wouldn't expect to hear, sports and entertainment. One of our customers is Madison Square Garden. Sports and entertainment right now has so many cool things happening with analytics and understanding, um, you know, customer experience and how we can get more people into more Knicks and Rangers games and, and then also get them into the Rockettes for Christmas. I mean, there's just a, an enormous amount of, of opportunity for something like that where they sell B2B and B2C. Right. They're like, you know, Gil, you as a consumer can buy a ticket to, to a concert at MSG, but you could also buy a luxury suite um, or even lease a luxury suite for your business for the year for entertainment purposes. So you talk about an, an industry that I just think is so cool um, that has so much potential disruption in sports and entertainment. We've got two, two customers there now, but then but sweeping through it kind of fast. Mm-hmm. Wow. OK, that's good. I, I appreciate you're sharing, uh, uh, sharing that. Uh, stuff that you like to read. Like, what is your, your daily feed? Like, what, what, what's your go-to on a regular basis for information in the business sector? What's going on in, in, uh, you know, in various industries and trends? What are you reading? Yeah, yeah. Uh, at this point, uh, my Android phone sends it all right to me, probably like a lot of people listening. Um, so I find myself on um, various uh, business publications, mainstream things domestically and internationally that are feeding me up news stories and different, I, I, you know, love Inc. Magazine, like when we first met, mm-hmm. um, love, you know, Fast Company. And believe it or not, I actually took it to Washington Post delivered to my house. Mm-hmm. I'm a little old school like that. Um, but I, I do, there's something to be said for print as well. 
So that's that's what I'm I'm doing a little bit new school, a little bit old school. <laughs> I got you, and I and I I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, wanted to to kind of go through our uh, lightning uh, round here of uh, of questions, and it'll be a a quick yes or no, <laughs> uh, or, or uh, you you respond yes or yes or yeah. You, you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, in a in a in a second, yeah. Lightning round, uh, uh, yeah. Questions here. Um, and do you like coffee? Iced coffee, yes. I was gonna say hot, hot or cold. Um, what favorite food? Wait, say again. Uh, favorite food. Favorite food. Uh, sushi. Sushi. Okay. Hot dogs, mustard or ketchup? Mustard. Weber's mustard from Buffalo, New York. That's where I got married with my wife. Oh, uh, okay, all right, all right. Uh, burgers, ketchup, or plain? Plain. Pizza? Uh, New Haven style. At um, Cafe is in New Haven. That's the oh. way to go. Oh wow! Um, you and you already answered this one. Whether you have an Apple or Android, using an Android. Yeah, oh, you know what, I, I just realized another one of my news feeds, actually, it's probably my most important news feed I totally forgot about, which is Owler. You know about Owler, O-W-L-E-R? I've heard of it, but I haven't gone to it. Yeah, it's a simple thing. It just just go to Owler, and you can set up which accounts you want to follow, oh. which companies you want to follow, and it just feeds it all right to you. It's awesome. Wow, okay. That's great. I'm going to look in that Owler, Owler.com. Yep, yep, and it's much better than Google Alerts in my mind. I've seen, I've gotten far more insights. From hour, yeah, yeah, you got, you got, you got to clean up Google alerts, and mo most of it's not relevant. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, you're using a PC or a Mac. I'm still on a PC. <laughs> laptop or desktop? Uh, I, I, I love my laptop. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, if you can go anywhere in the world on vacation, and money and time was not an issue, where would you go? Well, we got to start in Iceland, and then we're going to go to uh, uh, Bora Bora. Wow. Oh, Iceland is cold, I'm assuming, and Bora Bora is <laughs> really nice. Okay. Um, I'm, a man of, I'm a man of dramatic contrast, Gil. <laughs> so I was going to say you like hot or cold weather, so I'm assuming it's both. Yeah, it depends. you got to have a blend. you got to have a mix. <laughs> I hear you. Do you, wear, do you wear a wristwatch or no? Nothing. I don't like jewelry, although I'm getting used to my wedding ring after, you know, 10 plus years. So. Congratulations. Uh, for, uh, for books, um, Kindle or paperback? Or hard I'm still using paper. Yeah. Paper. Yeah, something about paper that I, I just, it just feels good. You put notes and it's just something about that. Um, I hear you. Uh, and podcast. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? When do you listen? When I'm running, I do listen to podcasts, and only when I'm running, and I usually, uh, uh, you know, have my, this thing's glued to my hand. I'm trying to put it down more, just like you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I know you're a runner. Are you, do you run, like, five miles in one shot? Not, what, what is your, like, uh, sprinting? What are you doing? Jogging? What are you doing? Simple. Three to five miles, and I'm typically going six days, sometimes even seven days a week. I did five this morning. Is this out in the street, or is this in the gym? I'm in the street. No gym membership. I don't like to pay anybody for that. The, gy the, the gym is, the world is my gym. <laughs> I used to use, I used to do pull-ups and all that kind of stuff, but now I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep away from any kind of muscle mass and just go lean muscle. Okay. And I, I find my back problems are going away from that. Good for you. Good for you. New car or used? 
Wait, what is it? New car or used? Oh, I'm cheap used. All right, all right. Dogs, cats, or neither? Goldfish? Neither, but the kids, I got four kids, ages three, five, seven, and nine, and they're probably going to get a goldfish when our new house is, is done being built. Ah, uh, Finding Nemo. Okay. Um, movies in the theater or streaming? Uh, streaming. We can't get to the theater anymore. That's a babysitter. That's 100 bucks. <laughs> Plus the theater. Plus the, you know, well, all the other stuff. I got it. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, it's been it's been great. Uh, we've been uh, having a conversation with uh, Steve Richard, the co-founder of Exec Vision, ExecVision.io. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed uh, this conversation, all your listeners. And Steve, thank you for being with us. And uh, for those who are listening, please five star this uh, this podcast if you like it. Share it with your with your friends and um, download it so you can hear it on podcast while you're running. Or if now while you're sitting on the couch eating pizza, if that's uh, what, what, you like, what you like to do. And last words, uh, Steve, for the audience. Yeah, yeah. Last words are, you know, what the I just thought of this in the shower this morning, Bill. Funniest thing. You know what the economy is defined at? It's, it's the addition of all the, the goods and services, products and services that are sold in the nation. So I think we should all remember that when we give salespeople a hard time. Someone's got to sell something in order for the economy to work. Absolutely. Bravo. We need salespeople. We make the engine run. And how we do it, everybody does it a different kind of way, but we're all part of that engine. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Gil.